This morning, I want to uh, speak to you on a subject called, which is really a continuation of last week. I've just changed the subject a little bit. It's called screen, screen, not scream, screen time and strongholds of the mind. Now, last, uh, last week, we read from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'm just going to read that, those scriptures again, or some of them. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world, but on the contrary, they have divine power to, devol- to demolish strongholds. So God calls us to fight, not as we normally think of that word, uh, that we're in some contest with somebody else. No, the, the battle is strongholds that need to be demolished, and he explains what those strongholds are. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Uh, think about uh, Guantanamo Bay. And I I understand today that they're evacuating it and taking all the prisoners to Florida because of the hurricane that's coming up um, through the Caribbeans. And so all of these prisoners are being brought. They're they're prisoners that are being held captive for the reasons of the war in the Middle East and against ISIS and terrorism. So the fear, of course, is that if they are released, they'll do destructive power. So if we're talking about the strongholds of the mind, strongholds about the way that we think, then we just can't, we just can't uh, let those ideas or those thoughts that can inundate our minds that are destructive to us, we can't just let them continue. We need to capture them and send them to Guantanamo Bay or some other place. Actually, it says we need to capture them and make them obedient to Christ. So, when you stop and think about that, every one of us need to ask the question, when we think about certain things, are, are, we, are those thoughts in obedience to Christ? When we feel certain things, are those things actually harmful or good, uh, harmful on one hand or good on the other hand. If they're good, we can say they're in obedience to Christ. If they're, if they're not, then they're a stronghold, an impenetrable fortress that really needs to be broke through and defeated. So, strongholds, what we feed our minds. What do children feed their minds with today? Participation put this in an article that they have, and the article is called Alarming Facts About Kids and Scream Time, said this. Canadian kids spend an average of seven and a half hours in front of screens each day. Think about it. Children five, six, seven, eight years old, seven and a half hours in front of screens. That can be TVs, it can be handheld devices, computers, uh, tablets. So 
seven and a half hours each day. And that's about as much time as most adults spend at work each day. Sounds outrageous, right? And if you agree, you're not alone. And as I've asked people this question this week, how, how much screen time do you think the average Canadian child sees every, every day? Not every week, every day. And I've had various answers. A couple of people actually had it right. They said around seven or eight hours. When I read this, I was staggered. Because of what's on the Internet, what they're seeing. There's a, and by the way, there's notes. The notes that I'm preaching from this morning are available on the front uh, communion desk. You can pick them up afterwards. All of the video, or not the video, all of the internet sites that I will be referring to are, uh, are on the, are in the notes. And so you can check them out for yourself. There's a, a group called Screen Smart. And it's subtitled, the group subtitles themselves, Helping Families Manage Media. And they offer some information on, on uh, what screen time does for our children and teens. And I've picked a few things to, to show you this morning. First of all, when it comes to physical health, 50% of youth, 5 to 17 years old, are not active enough for optimal growth and development. 90% of youth failed to meet the daily requirements of Canada's physical activity guide. Canadian kids 8 to 18 spend an average of 42 hours a week with media versus 8.75 hours exercising. One of the things that... Um, health experts are saying is that we're actually at a point in our history where because of the lack of physical activity uh, among children and among teens, that the life expectancy of Canadians is starting to fall instead of to grow. The average child sees 40,000 commercials annually on broadcast TV alone. And 80% of TV commercials are for fast food, candy, cereal, and toys. Kids see more than 250,000 commercials aimed at their appearance by age 17. So, on one hand, saying this is all the food you should eat, and kids are caught up in that. On the other hand, uh, appearance is everything, so it's like they're Kids are battling with what they eat versus some of the, the health effects of the bad things they eat. When it comes to sexual behavior, and there's more than I'm sharing, there's more on these, on these sites than I'm sharing. I've just picked out a couple of things. 60% of female video game characters are presented in a sexualized fashion. One of the things that is very popular today, of course, is video games. And 60% of the female characters are presented in a sexualized way. The biggest users of online pornography are 12 to 17-year-old boys. Not men, boys. A third of 13-year-olds in Alberta say they have watched pornography on the Internet too many times to count, according to a University of Alberta study. 
So, um, a third of 13-year-old boys who've watched internet pornography say that they wouldn't be able to count the number of times. Violence and aggression, and uh, sorry, um, addictive behaviors. A couple of things on here. The more alcohol ads kids see, the more they drink. The earlier kids start drinking and drugging, the higher the incidence of alcoholism. 40% of kids under 14 who start drinking become alcoholics within 10 years. So if I were to ask the teenagers here this morning, do you know anybody uh, 14 years old or under who drinks? And I'm sure you could tell me. You're nodding your head at me right now. And uh, so you can, half of them, just about, will become al- alcoholics by the time they're 24 years old, within 10 years. Researchers have determined that playing video game triggers and doubles the amount of dopamine in the brain, roughly equivalent to a dose of speed. Middle school students who play video games during the week do worse in school. So there's an addictive component powerful addictive component to to the internet, to video games, to the things kids watch and see for an average of seven and a half hours a day. Violence and aggression. Um, By the time kids enter middle school, they will have seen 8,000 murders and 100,000 more acts of violence on broadcast TV alone. Teens who watch more than one hour of TV per day are four times more likely than other teens to commit aggressive acts in adulthood. Social and emotional health. Again, a few things I picked out of the several things that are in this article. The American Academy of Pediatrics lists the following as media message side effects. Poor school performance, hitting or pushing other kids often, aggressively talking back to adults, and frequent nightmares. These are some of the effects of of media messages, of watching so much uh, what you see on screen and screen time. I don't know, I'm sure that if, in talking with teachers who actually teach in our in our school system, and the whole way in which the attitude and the behaviors of children have developed, I don't know if you can say developed, they've gone the other way, I suppose, uh, how they've evolved, uh, it, it makes it so difficult for teachers today. And especially whenever you have children who are aggressively uh, just talk back to teachers or talk back to other adults. And if you have a teacher who is able to control his or her class, well, then a child might submit to that control while they're in the class. But as soon as they get out, it could be to, with their parents or with others, they just are very disrespectful and dishonorable. One study showed that teens who text are a lot sadder and less confident. Hmm. Interesting study. You say, well, why would that be? I don't know. 
read the research that's in there. <laughs> uh, I can I can surmise some things. By the way, these notes that I'm quoting from here, these internet sites, they refer you to a number of other links where you can do a lot of research on your own on this. 29% of students said their parents or guardian would disapprove if they knew what they were doing on the internet. And 64% of online teens say that most teens do things online that they wouldn't want their parents to know about. Now, we won't take a poll among our teens here this morning, but you probably can, can uh, relate to that. Or you know kids that that certainly applies to. Internet games. In the notes that I have here, four pages of notes, over one page of them was provided uh, for me from research that AJ has given. And uh, it's all in here. I'm not going to read all of the of the re research. I've condensed it a little bit from what he gave me, which was excellently done, AJ, and very, very helpful. So thank you. One of the things that one game that AJ described is called the war, the world of Warcraft. Anybody ever heard of it? The world of Warcraft. Yeah. Okay. So several of you have. It's called WoW. And here's what AJ says. It's the most well known MMORPG, which means massive multiplayer online role playing game. It runs the full spectrum of fantasy content, demons, dragons, various forms of undead, elves, dwarves, etc. There are people who have literally become addicted to playing this game and others like it. WOW or World of Warcraft is especially bad because you have to pay the developer monthly if you want to play. Now, I, I on some other... Um, research that I've done, I, I pulled up a couple of um, uh, testimonies. Well, there's several testimonies. I just chose two of uh, World of, what is it? World of Warcraft. Here's a 14-year-old boy. He writes this. I am 14 and I'm a freaking addict. Now, what are you laughing at? You didn't expect to hear the pastor say freaking. Well, let me tell you, it's not me who said it. It's this 14-year boy. I would never say such a thing, but I would quote it anyway. <laughs> I'm a 14. I'm a 14-year-old, and I'm a freaking addict. My, listen to this. My parents seem to care, but they never try to kick me off. And he's talking about World of Warcraft. All right. So they never try to kick me off or even try to help. I have two, and I have no idea what this is, LVL70s. What's that? Okay. And one that is T6. Tier 6. Okay. And other full Tier 5. Okay. Anyway, it's levels of the game. Thus I have no life. I can't even imagine what I would do if I deleted my tunes. T-O-O-N-S. Slang for characters. Thank you. But I don't know how I'd be able to interpret this. 
so here's what he's saying. I really want to quit, but I can't. There's a 14-year-old boy saying, I'd love to quit, but I can't. I mean, this and then expletive deleted. No, that's here. I didn't ex- delete the expletive. Um, this, and he swears, game is controlling me and I can't stop. I have almost deleted my tunes, but I'm afraid that I'll just start up another one. Here's a 12-year-old boy. He says, I'm 12, and I cannot stop playing WoW. I play about 8 to 10 hours a day, mostly because my friends are on it. And I'm bored when I don't play it. I just failed socials, too, so what should I do? So these are... These are young people who are writing in for help to the site um, that offers help. So, uh, wow, um, these are the this is the world of our children and our teens. And parents, as you're you're here this morning, um, one of the things to ask yourself is. How much time is my child spending on the Internet? How much are they listening to? Uh, Pornography? Games? Things that become so addictive, affect a child's social skills, their outlook on themselves. We talked last week about online or internet depression. All these are, this is the world of reality for our children. So the world in which we live is not an easy world for our children, for our teens. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. And as I, as we read this scripture, I want you to imagine something with me, will you? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So, wow. Was that verse an amazing verse when it was written? (laughs) Paul, when he wrote it, had no idea about the Internet. And so when he said the evil forces that reign in heavenly realms, uh, that was something he wouldn't have imagined. But what he said here is timeless. There are spiritual forces that are at work to destroy the creation of God. To destroy you, your children, your life. To destroy everything that God has created that's so wonderful and good. That's what he's about. He's so destructive. He so wants to rule from afar. He doesn't walk into your home with a pitchfork and with a black suit and horns. He doesn't show up like that. He shows up with a video screen in your child's pocket, where he can pollute their minds and create strongholds, sexualized strongholds, 
strongholds of gaming, strongholds that are violent in nature. And so many of the things that AJ uh, discovered for us and, and put in the internet uh, on the notes here are things I hadn't even heard about before. Things that are just incredibly, incredibly dark. Uh, games like The Walking Dead, The Assassin's Creed, uh, games like Resident Evil. Uh, these are science fiction games that depict an interstellar war, and there's a lot of violence, genocide, nudity, and other graphic and disturbing imagery on all these games. So the enemy, the ruler of the darkness, the ruler of the who rules in the in the air, if you will, who has authority in heavenly realms, is is there to destroy is there to undermine the work of God. And you say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. I thought that the ruler in heavenly realms was, was God, was Jesus, was Holy Spirit, not the devil or evil forces. Well, um, it's partly true. God, of course, rules over all. But God, whenever he created this world, when he created the earth, he gave the authority to rule to man. Man surrendered it. Mankind surrendered it. The first parents surrendered it to the devil and released to him the authority and the power that he has right now. Jesus came and died on the cross. And the Bible tells us that when he did, he triumphed over the enemy, he triumphed over the, de the devil, and he made a, a, an open show of him. But God is beckoning men and women, teenagers, boys and girls, to make a choice. You see, love is not really love unless it's based on a choice. And in our, in our world today, it seems like those choices are more pronounced. It's like the, the choice to do evil is so much more available, so much more alluring, so much more attractive because everybody else is doing it. It seems like the, the allurement to do that which is evil, that which the evil forces in heavenly realms are trying to influence us to do, influence our children, influence this world to do, that it just seems as though that the power of that is so overwhelming that we need to make, and the choice to succumb to that power is just the natural choice. It's the normal choice, it seems, because everybody else is doing it. But nonetheless, it's a choice. You don't have to do it. You can hold your handheld device in your hand. You can go to your computer screen or the keyboard in front of it. You can hold whatever device that, device that you have, and it might be a good idea to do this every day. In fact, it might be a good idea to have a service where we do this. And you put that in front of you and say, I bring this device under the obedience of Jesus Christ. And I will only use it for things that are profitable, that, that is of good report, that edifies, that blesses, that informs. 
I'll use it for things like right now media where I can worship, where I can learn the Word of God. And it would be a good idea to do that for your children and say, we are not going to ever watch anything that's going to be violent or have sexual content that is just so um, damaging. We're, we're making a choice that Jesus is the Lord of the Internet. That Jesus will be the Lord of my internet, that I will only use these devices for his glory. Now, the problem that most people have is that they want to do <laughs> what I just said, but find it so hard to do. Because like the two boys that were watching the world of Warcraft, did I say it right? Yeah, wow, I can learn. Uh, the, those boys are saying, it's so hard to stop. And I, I'd like to delete all this gaming stuff, but I know that as soon as I do, I'll feel empty. My friends are still into it. I'll just sign up again, and the cycle will start all over. So it's a battle. And that's what we read last week when we read Second Corinthians chapter 10 verses 2 to 5. That, that this is a battle. It, it's, it's about strongholds of the mind and of the heart. But that text said that God has given you weapons that are greater than the battle that you fight. That you can be an overcomer. Now, you can't be an overcomer unless you're going to get into the battle and be willing to fight. I uh, imagine, um, and this is an image I, I got, I don't know if it was during the night or sometime this week when I was thinking about this, but I can imagine all of our children and all of our teens in a field, maybe like even the Roman Colosseum, and we're there as parents and adults and as Christians, older Christians. Maybe imagine the Colosseum, the Roman Colosseum, and the lions, and your children out there being put out into the field, and the gates are opening, and you're watching. And then somebody puts a sword in your hand or some kind of a weapon. If it's think of it as the period, it would be maybe a bow and arrow or a spear. And you have them in your hands. And parents and adults and church, you have the choice to make. Are you going to stay on the sidelines and watch your kids and our kids and a generation around us be destroyed? Or are we going to get in there with our full heart, with our full soul, with everything that is within us? And we're going to fight the battles with our kids. And help them to overcome and to defeat the strongholds that would so invade their minds and hearts. I'm going to close with this text. Second Corinthians chapter, sorry, Second Kings chapter 23, verses 21 to 25. We're going to start with the first three verses. This is about Josiah. <laughs> now, Josiah became the king of Israel when he was eight years 
old. Interesting. And the king gave this order to all the people. Celebrate the Passover of the Lord your God as it is written in this book of covenant. Now here's what had happened. He had been on the throne of Israel for 18 years. He was now 26 years old. And he, and he had been raised in a very idolatrous culture. He had been raised by, like, he was, he was the king of Israel, but he almost knew nothing about its worship. The country, the nation had so given itself over to idolatry that the only thing that he was aware of was his computer devices. Well, he didn't have them, but things that would have been comparable in those days. So he sees this temple, and it's all broken down, and it's all in ruins. And he says, you know what? We, uh, we need to fix that up. So he gave a command to, by the, to uh, an order to a guy by the name of Hilkaliah and said, go and repair the temple. And so he's in there, and he's repairing all this kind of stuff, and he finds his book. And he brings it to the king. <laughs> it was the law. It was the Bible that they had at that time. And so Josiah looks at it and he sees all this stuff about Passover. And he says, we need to start doing this as it's written in this book of the covenant. Neither in the days of the judges who led Israel, nor in the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah had such Passover been observed. But in the eighth year of King Josiah, the Passover was celebrated in the to the Lord in Jerusalem. So he restores the worship of God at a level that the nation had never seen before. And yet, he really wasn't raised in that. And then he says this. Next verses. Furthermore, Josiah got rid of some things. All right. It's one thing to say yes to Jesus. So I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to have communion. I'm going to, I'm going to carry my Bible. I'm going to, I, I, I'm going to give my heart to Jesus. But as soon as you do, you got to be prepared to get rid of some things. How many know us Christians have been on the way for a while? That's true. You got to get rid of some stuff. And it can be a whole list of stuff. So he got rid of mediums. Now, this is, we're talking now about the occult world. And spiritists, the household gods, the idols, and all the detestable things seen in Judah, Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, if you can't control your internet, get rid of it. If your kids will not watch things that are wholesome, and you can't trust what they watch, Take it from them. The boy that said that he was bound by that addiction said, my parents knew, but they didn't do anything about it. And he, he was crying out, I wish they would. So this he did to fulfill the requirements of the law written in the book that Hilkiah, the priest, had discovered in the temple of the Lord. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did, with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his strength, in accordance with all the law 
of Moses. Now, my heart as the pastor of this church is not to just be solely focused on children and teens. Because you hear me talking about them all the time. You say, well, doesn't he care about the older folk? Yes, I do. I care so much that I'm asking you to be a part of the battle. The generation that will determine the future of the church is not our generation, is not mine. It's this generation. And the generation of the children that are in Sunday school. The future lies in your hands, not mine. While I'm around, I can be, as Jude said, one who delivers the faith from my generation to the next generation. And the way he said it was, deliver the faith, uh, to pass on the faith once delivered to the saints. So it's been handed down through generations. Faith in Jesus. Faith in his word. And what we're called to do is to pass it on to these next generations. Now, Friday night, these kids are up here. They're starting to worship. They're starting to sing the songs. They might not be 100% controllable right now. I choose not to see them that way. I choose to see them as who they can become. And not in some distant future, but in the here and now. Kids who with all their heart and soul, with all their strength, with all that's in them, with all in accordance to the word of God, are sold out to Jesus and are willing to pay any price in order to serve the Lord. What they need is the support of all of us. And for sure, what they need is the example of what we're talking about from all of us. Let us pray. I just want to talk to the teens here for a moment, real, real, real privately. So nobody's looking around. Everybody's got their, their eyes closed. I'm going to ask you to respond to this question. If we had a service, maybe you'd do it at youth night or maybe we'd do it some Sunday morning, where we, no, not some big giant computer that you might have, but say a laptop or any of your handheld devices. We were to have a service where you would bring them and you would present them before the Lord and say, I submit this to the Lordship of Jesus, and I will only watch the things that are in obedience to Christ. If we did that, how many of you would be willing to participate? Can I see your hands? Okay, okay, wow, wonderful. Hey, do you know something? That's a sign of raising up a Josiah generation right here in Pictou County that will do things that are beyond our imaginations. What Josiah did was incredible. He took a whole nation, turned it on its head, and caused them to come into a worship experience that they had never, well, for the generation that existed, they had never known about. 
thank you so much for that response. Parents, how many adults don't have to be parents? Just say, Bruce, I'm in. I'm in. I'll do whatever it takes to come alongside, even if it means that your health doesn't actually let you be here, but you can pray, intercede. And if you do have the health and strength to be able to come alongside and and, and jump into Fun Factor, jump into Sunday School or other things, you say, I'm in. Will you just raise your hand? How many adults? Yes, yes, okay. We need as, boy, do we ever need a whole lot as we come into this fall. Thank you.